You are listening to Half Torah, the Shir series. We explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Half Torah. Here at the database of Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha Bamidbar, as we open a brand new Sefer Bamidbar. And yet the Shabbos also happens to be Shabbos Mavarachim Chodesh Sivan. And what day is Rosh Chodesh Sivan going to be? Well, Be'ezra Hashem, it's going to be on Sunday, Haba Alina Latova, which makes this Shabbos Erev Rosh Chodesh, otherwise known as Machar Rosh Chodesh, or Machar Chodesh for short, that on the morrow will be Rosh Chodesh, which means that the Haftarah for the Parsha Shavua, this Shabbos will be replaced by the unique Haftarah for Machar Chodesh. Now, why exactly it is that there's a special Haftarah for the day before Rosh Chodesh? We'll have to discuss in the second half Torah shir that we'll be doing this week, Be'ezras Hashem, as our listeners get to laugh at me, because I had mentioned previously that we'd be taking a break from having weeks with more than one half Torah shir as we exit Sefer Vayikra, where we saw several double parshios from Achim Kedoshim to Baharim um, Kosai. We, we had uh, Tazriya Mitzorah as well. And I, you know, we thought we were home free. I certainly thought we were home free until... We open up Sefer Bamidbar, and yet we find creeping upon us, we have Machar Chodesh, which means that we get to talk about two Haftaras once again. And we'll have to begin with the Haftarah for Parshas Bamidbar. And Bezra Hashem, in the subsequent year, we'll talk about the special Haftarah for Machar Chodesh. Not a bother, not a burden. These two Haftaras are both very exciting and interesting, so I'm looking forward to discussing them with you. But we will dedicate the Shir right now, and we'll begin with the Haftar for Bamidbar. Next time we'll talk about the Haftar for Machar Chodesh. But the Haftar for Bamidbar comes to us from Treyasar as we get to revisit Sefer Hoshea. And the last time I believe we saw Hoshea was for Parshas Vayetze when Yaakov Avinu was on the run from Esav and he was meeting Lavan and eventually had to run from Lavan as well. Stories that are referenced in the Haftarah. But now we get to look at Hoshea for a completely different reason. As we'll see in this unique Haftarah, we actually find um, an interesting uh, feature of the Haftarah, not only unique to Bamidbar, but I would say particularly unique to Bamidbar in a certain sense, that the Haftarah appears to contain a little bit more action and color uh, than, uh, than the Parsha itself. This is not to say that the Parsha doesn't itself have substance, but... Sometimes you have to work a little bit harder to see the substance and appreciate the message and themes. And this is one of those um, Parsha Haftarah combinations where the Parsha is a little bit quieter in terms of physical action. And the Haftarah, although at first glance does not seem to be telling a story, if you know what you're looking at, there's, a, there's an important and very strange story that's being told in the Haftarah. And when you get to appreciate what that story is, we can appreciate better what really is the theme of the Parsha, as the Haftar is always reflecting something unique from the Parsha. So let's take a look. Hoshea, um, we read from Parak Beis, Pasuk Aleph through Chaf Beis, 1 through 22. And let's take an intro to... Bamidbar before we can appreciate what the Haftar is and then thereby appreciate again what's in the Parsha. So for a Sefer like Bamidbar, which is packed with stimulating stories and lessons, in its first Sidra, in its opening Sidra, Bamidbar seems to be quite simple. In the next few Sidros, the Torah will soon recount some of the greatest tragedies of the Bnei Israel's history, as well as some incredible heroism of some valiant leaders 
who are going to rise to the occasion during those tragedies. However, Parshas Bamidbar by itself merely begins with some numbers. In fact, the Parsha, the Sefer, is referred to as the Book of Numbers, and that comes from Chazal, as the book is referred to in, in, in Chazal as Chumash HaPakudim. It is the fifth of the Torah that discusses reckoning, numbers, counting, and that's really what we get. Hashem orders Moshe Benu to take a census of the Bnei Israel. We have lists of some names, and we have records of numbers. And included in the Sidra is the arrangement of the Bnei Israel's encampments and traveling. Ishal Machanehu Ishal Diglo, as we say in Kol Shvi, comes from our Parsha, a man according to his camp, a man according to his division. So while the themes and lessons in this Sefer Bamidbar are some of the most crucial ones, the concept of Bamidbar in and of itself doesn't seem to display any colorful themes per se. Maybe not, not no, no colorful themes past the colorful flags that are referenced in passing. The Haftarah, by contrast, is a quite exotic one and has a moving theme. Taken from Hosea, the Haftarah begins with the, the passing reference to the numbers theme of Bamidbar, which we just mentioned. As the Navi says in the opening Pasuk, And it'll be that the number of the Bnei Israel will be like the sand of the sea and cannot be measured and cannot be counted. So we have reference to sand, perhaps reminding us of the Midbar. We have reference to numbers, which of course reminds us of the Book of Numbers. And apparently, unlike the census that took place in the generation of the Midbar, the Bnei Israel would apparently one day become so uncountable, which is an obvious blessing. But then the Navi continues with a very interesting message in the subsequent Sukkim. It says, In place of that which was said about you, that you are not my people, you know what's going to be said instead? That you, in fact, are the children of the living God. And the Navi continues, It's going to be said of your brother, Ami, that you are my people. Your brother's going to be said, you are my people. And to your sister, it's going to be said, Ruchama, that you are a pitied and compassionate one, or, or one for whom Hashem will show compassion. So the message by itself is interesting, perhaps somewhat encouraging, but the true significance of this blessing really can only be appreciated if one knows what the Haftarah does not explicitly reference, the unusual backstory behind Hashem's message to Klai Yisrael at this time. And it's a message that pertains to Hashem's command that the Navi Hosea marries a Zona. Zona is a harlot. So you might be thinking, what? That's probably too strange to be true. And yet, in the previous parak, the Navi tells us that Hashem commanded Hosea to take an Eishes Zenunim, literally a woman of, uh, or a wife of harlotry, and to have Yalde Zenunim, to have strange children from her. Why? So Hashem says the reason is because Zanos is now Aretz Me'achare Hashem, because the land has strayed from Hashem. So this Eishes Zenunim, she's going to bear some children, and these children are a symbol, apparently, of the straying of Klal Yisrael, perhaps the straying of the land, whatever that means. And Hashem commands Yehoshea to name these children, two, two of whom Hashem told Hoshea to name Lo Ami and Lo Ruchama. Right? The one, one child is going to be called, you're not my people. And the other one's going to be called Lo Ruchama, you are not pitied. Now, obviously Hashem commanded Hoshea to engage in this marriage to present some kind of mashal or model for the Bnei Israel, Because in our Haftarah, Hashem turns around and says the Bnei Israel will yet be called Ami, you'll be called my people again. 
as opposed to Hoshea's child, Loami. And you're going to be called, you'll merit to be Ruchama, you'll merit to be compassioned by Hashem, if that's a word, if that makes sense, to be pitied by Hashem and to be shown compassion. The question is why Hashem needed to put Hoshea up to this arrangement, just to create an apt mashal. Right, it's one thing, you know, in a classroom setting where you're trying to teach a lesson, so you'll get the you'll get the students to engage in some activity which will drive home the message that you're teaching. Maybe they won't understand the metaphor until the very end, and when they do, it's like, oh, okay, that makes so much sense. It's one thing when you're playing. It's one thing when you're in a classroom. I think it's another thing when you tell someone to marry someone and then have wives. Sorry, have children from their wife. So the question is, again, why did Hashem need to go that far to, to tell his story, as it were? And as it happens, we find often in Navi that Hashem will, will instruct his Nevi'im to use visual aids to represent them, their prophecies, which can certainly be an effective rhetorical tool, I guess. But this marriage is, if literal, it's quite extreme. At what point is Hashem trying to make here? And as always, we always wonder what this bizarre parable has to do with our Sidra, with, uh, with our Parsha. What theme is the Haftar bringing out in Parsha Bamidbar? And it's with this background that the Haftar begins its piece. Again, the Navi assures us that Israel, who is referred to as not God's people, will become his people again, eventually that is. However, in the meantime, the Navi proceeds to deliver an intense verbal onslaught of the Bnei Israel, saying that they are, they, they, they are like a harlot and an adulterer of a wife. The Navi continues saying that they and their children will be left parched like a desert to die of thirst, having only her idolatrous paramours to glean from. But ultimately, says the Navi, she will realize that it was better with her first husband, as it were, that Hashem treated her better. And with the next point, the connection to our Sidra will become even more palpable, as the Navi says that God will seduce or invite Yisrael, so to speak, to come to the desert where he will talk to her heart and support her with sustenance just as he did to the Bnei Israel in its youth when they were leaving Mitzrayim. All that considered, what's the Haftar telling us? That no matter what happens, Hashem loves the Bnei Israel and has every intention of winning her back despite her flaws and deficiencies. Why does Hashem make Hoshea go through with the extreme process of marrying a spiritually deficient woman and bearing spiritually deficient children? Because the emotions, quote-unquote, if we could ascribe them to Hashem, need to be felt and comprehended as tangibly as possible. Even if one had a rebellious son through a harlot and called that child not my son, he would still yearn for that child's love. And this message has absolutely everything to do with Parshas Bamidbar. Obviously, the explicit reference to the desert and the Bnei Israel's ascent from Mitzrayim hit home for our Sidra, but there's something so much more fundamental here. The census of, the, of Bamidbar, Rashi tells us, is an expression of Hashem's undying chiba, his affection for Klai Yisrael, his love for them. Even when they are repulsively unfaithful to Hashem, Hashem still counts them because he cares. And yes, there are plenty of times throughout Bamidbar when they prove to be unfaithful toward him, and even proceed to test his patience again and again. But again, the sense of Bamidbar is God's reminder that he still cares about us. More than that, it is Hashem's disclaimer 
for the unfortunate events, perhaps, of Sefer Bamidbar, telling us not to be mistaken, that Hashem never stopped caring about the Bnei Israel, whether they complain, whether they slander his land, rebel against his leaders, or even serve idols. Even if Hashem has to put them through trials in the desert, Hashem never stops caring and yearning to sustain them. And it takes a marriage to appreciate that. It takes Hosea going through it himself. Take a real person, actually have him married, actually get him to have children, and see how much he wants to either part with them or keep them in his life. And then you understand maybe a fraction of what Hashem experiences. Because again, even though Hashem doesn't experience emotions the way we do, it's all anthropomorphism when we talk about Hashem. But we still know at the same time that whatever it means to love, whatever it means to care and have concern for on a human level, Hashem's godly love, which cannot be comprehended, is certainly all the more so, as all of us are Hashem's children and all of us are Hashem's spouse as well. This complicated love story is what Bamidbar is in a nutshell. How Hashem took the Bnei Israel out to the desert, how they often strayed but always crawled back. How Hashem was always waiting for them to come back so we can continue to show them that love and call us, to call them His people. Thus the Navi says that Hashem will put Israel in her position of need again, in the desert, where He will demonstrate once again that He is our eternal lover and supporter. It's with that that the Haftarah concludes that which people say when they put on their tefillin onto their fingers, Right, they rastechli la olam, they rastechli b'tzedek of mishpat uvechesed v'rachamim, they rastechli be'emuna yadat as Hashem. And I will betroth you to me for eternity. I will betroth you to me with righteousness and with justice, and with loving kindness and with mercy. And I will betroth you to me with faithfulness, and you will know Hashem. And these final lines really say it all. The bond between Hashem and His people knows no end. It will never end. Hashem betroths us with tzedek and mishpat, righteousness and judgment. Justice, which means that should we be unfaithful, then Hashem will have to deliver harsh justice where it's due. However, He also betrothes us with chesed and rachim, undeserved loving kindness and compassion, because despite what we deserve, Hashem will always look for a way to bend for us. And finally, He betrothes us with amuna, with faithfulness, for it is through this betrothal that we are instilled with amuna that can get us through the good times and more difficult times as well, and ultimately bring us not just a conceptual belief, but da'as, experiential knowledge of a relationship, a knowledge of Hashem that is reflected in that real-life relationship with Him. And in the end, the Midbar and his Haftarah set the stage and prepare us for a bumpy ride through the Midbar, yes. And although we know from Sefer Bamidbar and life itself that things would get tough, and they will, Bamidbar and this piece from Hosea remind us to never forget Hashem's chiba for us, how He never stops counting us and how He never... I mean, how he never stops caring about us, how he has betrothed us for eternity. So, Shalbizocha for Hashem's undying chiba for us, not only experience his chesed and rachamim, but show our devotion back to him to earn his chesed and rachamim, being eternally faithful spouses to Hashem, and he should redeem us from that desert of Gullus once again with the coming of Mashiach from Herb Menu. As always, if you enjoy sharing like this and others in the podcast and want to partner up with us with a sponsorship, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations, or you want to join the database podcast WhatsApp group where you'll find links to every uploaded shear, or links to Shiram that I repost through to their relevance, then all you have to do is reach out to me at thedatabase at gmail.com. That's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. But until next time, stay tuned for Haftarah from Machar Kodesh. And otherwise, have an absolutely wonderful Shabbos. And thank you for joining us here at The Database.